at the risk of driving some of you out the door, um, I'm going to repeat something which some of you have now heard two weeks running. I will repeat it briefly, but it comes from Psalm 113, which, as I said, is one of my favourite psalms because it speaks personally for me how, on one occasion reading this psalm, I remembered myself sitting on, literally sitting on uh, a pile of rubbish in Brixton during a dustman strike when I was unemployed and the unemployed are being called out to clear the rubbish. And I remember sitting on this pile of rubbish and thinking, that just sums me up. This is my life. But it was at that time that my future wife and I were beginning to go back to church. And it was not long afterwards that we encountered not a Christ of theory, but a living Christ who somehow or another touched our own lives personally and transformed them. So I remember reading this psalm, how he raises up the dust, from the dust the poor, and from the dunghill he exalteth the needy. And this is my story, which is why I love it so much. But as I've said on each of the last two weeks, the name of God appears in this a number of times, and if you have um, in your Bible, it will be Lord in capital letters, which stands in for the name Yahweh, which is the name which God told Moses, this is my name, I am that I am. And so, we have this awesome concept of one who cannot be understood or described, who is awesome beyond our understanding, who is who he is, not who we say he is, who sits... And we can only use the language of human language. He's not a man in a white beard sitting up there. But it's the only language we know to talk about our God. Which is why he made himself known in human form in his son Jesus Christ. It's the only language we understand. But we hear of him sitting far above the heavens exalted to sit down while others have to stand or bow before him, and then reaching far down to lift up the needy from the ash heap. And this is almighty God we're talking about, the Lord who is who he is. Now, at the end of my preach last week, somebody came to me and said, um, um, would you do this? And the, the, the moment passed, but to reach far down, here I am standing on top of two steps, I'm saying this for the sake of the podcast. And if I try and reach down these two steps, I can only go so far before I topple forward. But he reached far down to lift the needy from the ash heap, which meant, if we put it in human terms, he had to leave his throne and kneel down, and then you can reach down two steps, and you can pick up the needy. This is almighty God humbling himself on behalf of people like us who have failed his purpose. Almighty God has reached far down. Now he is the Lord. Then last week we recognized that Jesus is known as the Lord. That this psalm which is read 
every year just before the Passover meal, when Jesus took that Passover meal for the last time, he put himself in the psalm, in, in the meal, and said, when you do this, remember me. And we understand from the scripture that Jesus is the word made flesh. God's word that he reaches far down is enfleshed by Jesus the Son. Don't ask me to explain how Jesus is the revelation of God in flesh. But we know that he is the arm of the Lord. He is the Saviour. He is the Lord. So in the New Testament, we find find Thomas, who was an honourable Jew, after seeing Jesus raised from the dead, having seen him crucified, and then risen from the dead, Thomas, the first among Jews, kneels before him and says what a Jew can only say to God, My Lord, my God. Because the God who is who he is, is one God. The whole of scripture tells us that. There aren't two gods, three gods, four gods, twenty gods. There is one God. And he's not a split personality God. He's not a God who is a, who is a pie chart in three equal parts, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's, he's one God, one community of being within himself and yet we discover that he is father and he is son now then Jesus risen from the dead in Psalm 20, in Matthew 28 excuse me I'm going to disrobe for a moment in Matthew 28 he told his disciples you will be my witnesses And a couple of weeks ago, I saw at the Arise event, I saw somebody with a T-shirt which had, you probably can't read it from where you are, 29th chapter on it. Now then, think of this. 29th chapter. Matthew finishes at 28. And God says, Jesus says to us, go into all the world and make the good news known. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are the 29th chapter. The Word became flesh, was crucified for our sins, was raised from the dead, is exalted to the Father's right hand, and we have become the the 29th chapter. We are now God's voice to this world. God speaking through us. Christ in us. Which is the hope of our glory. But who is sufficient for these things? I'm not sufficient for these things. Are you? It's extraordinary, isn't it, that in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us that we are baptized into the name of of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Greek doesn't have plural, the name in plural. You are baptised into the names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
you are baptized into the one name who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And before Jesus was crucified, he began to teach his disciples about Holy Spirit. And he told them, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. For the Holy Spirit will come to you. He is with you. And then there's this extraordinary phrase in John chapter 14, and he will be in you. Now, at times I think we misunderstand Holy Spirit. I think we underestimate him. There was a little boy who only knew the authorised version had been to a funeral, and he played funerals, and as he was burying Action Man, he said, into the name of the Father, the Son, and into the Holy Ghost. We misunderstand the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost is scary. So now we use the phrase Holy Spirit. And then when we talk about Holy Spirit, we think of a force sometimes, an energy, um, a gift to us which is something which will like petrol in the tank like electricity through the plug. But the Holy Spirit, as we learn of him in Scripture, is none other than the Lord himself. For instance, writing to the Corinthians, um, Paul says, what man is there among you that knows his own thought? Who, who among you knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that is within him? So no one knows the mind of the Lord except the spirit of the Lord. Now, is your spirit just an energy? <laughs> or is this you, deep? you. The Holy Spirit knows the mind of the Lord because he is the Lord. So when we think of our God enthroned on high who reaches far down and in Christ we see this enfleshed, the word of God incarnated, God's action revealed in Jesus. And then we see Christ being crucified for us. And then disappearing after his resurrection. God has not left us as orphans. He has sent his own spirit to us. And God is with us. And God is still reaching far down. And God is still reaching far down and touching your life and my life. This is amazing. And not only touching our life, but as Jesus said, he has been with you, but he will be in you. How is it that God can be in me? 
Isn't that... You see, God, you don't know what I think about sometimes. When I'm on my own or when I'm being frustrated and when I'm keeping my mouth tight shut. You don't know where I'd rather be sometimes when I'm standing at the back waiting to preach. God knows all this stuff about me. And yet he's reached far down and when he lifted me from the ash heap, he did it by actually carrying all this stuff and nonsense and sin. Lifting it from me with its judgment and condemnation and its unworthiness and himself bearing it away he's done it for you I'm talking about me but he's done it for us and bearing it away so that he could lift us up from the ash heap and present him us before his father as someone the father can welcome and why can the father welcome us because Jesus says I've taken this stuff I've been crucified for this stuff and now I want you to receive this person you, me I want you to receive this person as you would receive me father which is what it means when it says we have the righteousness of Christ it's not that we are wholly righteous and yet we have the righteousness of Christ because Christ stands there for us and says I've done this father you told me to now accept this one so you see God knows all about this stuff that is within us and even though we're not yet perfect have you found the perfect church? Because I haven't. Even though we are not yet perfected, but are being changed, drip, drip, from one degree of glory to another, still he reaches far down to be with us and in us. Don't you find it extraordinary that Peter can say, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And I almost choke to say this because it's so extraordinary. We have been made partakers of the divine nature that's what Peter says. Not because somehow we become superhuman or a wonderful people and can boast in the world how great we are. But because he has reached far down from the heavens and associated himself with us. And God the Spirit lives in us. He doesn't possess us in the way that an evil spirit possesses someone and makes them incapable of their own will. He dwells with us 
so that by faith we can walk with him and learn of him. Isn't that extraordinary? We haven't got it in us to change the world on our own. But we have the Holy Spirit who through our acts of faith and love and obedience can animate God's word and bring it to life in us and through us and for other people so that it imparts life to other people. I often wonder how do you explain the work of the Holy Spirit? I don't know how theologically correct I am here but I think of him as God who animates his word. Jesus, the arm of the Lord, the word, and the spirit animates it. In creation, in the beginning was the word, we're told, and the word was, was God, and the word was, was with God, and nothing was made that was not, without him, nothing was made that was made. So through the word of God, creation came into being. But who was hovering over the chaos? Who animated that word and brought it to life? And God said, let us make man in our image and breathed life into it. Who animated that being? And God said to the Virgin Mary, you shall bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And how was that word animated? How was the incarnation fulfilled? The Holy Spirit will overwhelm you. And Jesus, the Word, offered himself up for our sins. And how did he do it? Well, according to the writer to Hebrews, he offered himself up through the eternal Spirit. Holy Spirit animates God's Word, gives it its breath and life and vitality and reality. In fact, Pete didn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to ask him to give a quick testimony. The one you told me in a nutshell the other day. Okay? About religion. Okay. No more than three minutes. No more than three minutes, Pete. Uh, Last week, Dave said, write your testimony so you can say it in three three minutes. I thought, all right, I will then. I didn't really want to, but felt I should. So I did. Good exercise, everyone. Who's done it? Don't put your hands up. But I hope you can. So I did. And what it did to me was remind me what it was that, that changed me. And I remember writing it down. I was reminded how for years I had to attend chapel, church, that stuff. I was brought up like that. I had to go to church. And I did all the right things. But I got so fed up with it because it was a powerless religion. It was just religion to me. It was dry. I remember sitting in my bed at home once, reading this Bible, and it was just text. It was worse than Shakespeare. It didn't mean anything. (laughs) You can get into Shakespeare, can't you, if you read it enough? But it didn't mean anything. And then God met me, and suddenly everything became alive. The scripture, I just didn't have enough of it. It was living. I discovered 
that there's a power in God that makes it true. And so my struggle for those 18-odd years with religion, I had to walk away from it. I'm not interested in religion. There's life. There's something about God that's life. And that's what I want. And I'll tell you the struggle I've got now is that church can suck that out of you. (laughs) We all can say that, can't we? If we're honest, put our hands up. God brings life by the Holy Spirit. And I covet that again. I recommitted my life again after writing that out on Friday morning. I said, God, that's what it was about. I want it again. I want to live by that, not the other. Amen? Amen. Less than three minutes. So there was a dead religion and there was scripture that meant nothing, which even though it's the word of God, and yet Christ, he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit comes to him and into him, and suddenly what was dead and formal and pointless and boring, life was poured into it because the Holy Spirit animates the word of God. He animates us. He brings the very life of God to us. This is what made the transformation in us. When we first got down on our knees and pled with God because we realized that we'd let him down and we begged him to be our savior and then we got up from our knees either immediately or the next day or it dawned on us over the coming week that suddenly something had transformed within us. How can this be? God has come... God, you've come alive to me. How can this be? Because the Holy Spirit has animated the Word of God. And He has not just been with us, but He is in us. And He is in you. So that we are the 29th chapter. Which is extraordinary. When you were baptized, you were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you realize over these last couple of weeks how significant the name of God is? I am who I am. And yet when you and I repented of our sin, and repented is not some gruesome way of sort of old-fashioned, sort of really boring, miserable kind of people getting down and pulling their hair out, though it might be that for some people to begin with. It is actually a change of mind and attitude. I didn't believe in you, but I do believe. I will believe in you. I didn't walk your way, but I will walk your way. I I, I used to, to lust and all the rest of it, but now you have shown me another way and you animate me with a new life. I'm not going to do that anymore. I determine now, I will follow Jesus. That was our repentance. And as a consequence of that, we went down into waters, maybe here, somewhere else. But God allowed you, on the say of Jesus, to be baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, I am who cannot be explained who is awesome beyond our understanding, said, I totally identify myself and all who I am with you. And you in this water are identifying yourself and all that you are with me, almighty God. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. In fact, I will be with you and I will be in you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And if you walk by faith, obey him, uh, who likes disciplining their children? I do not like disciplining my children. They're too old to do it now. (laughs) 
they disciplined me back. <laughs> Justly, probably. But I did not like disciplining my children. I remember one day when my daughter was so perverse and contrary that I came down here and I locked myself in my room all morning and I got down on my knees and I begged God to do something for this daughter of mine. Because God, my discipline doesn't work. And I went home, and she was worse that evening than she'd been ever before. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this on the web. (laughs) I bet it's true. And I disciplined her, and it really hurt me. And she slammed the door, and the whole row of houses, I'm sure, shook. And I fell on my knees, and I wept. And I said, God, I have disciplined her, but it doesn't work unless it's your discipline. I do it because you tell me to. This is an act of faith, Lord God. Lord, you've got to do something. It's an act of faith. When she came out of that room two hours later, she was different. And she's never been like that again. You see... I don't know how God does that. She's been a pain sometimes, but she'd tell you that I have been too. We walk by faith. We obey by faith. We speak the name of Jesus, not as blustering, you've got to believe, people, but we speak the name of Jesus with reverence and love And the spirit who animates God's word. He is the one who breathes the life into it. And makes who we are and what we say powerful to others. He animates it. And so when we walk with him, we are the 29th chapter. Which is what he's called us to be. but with such a sense of reverence. Because it's in God we trust 